0: Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life we want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I get to speak with the Amazing Judy Fox, hashtag Fox Rocks. She has been an amazing speaker and an inspiration to me. Uh, an amazing uh, creator, a LinkedIn video creator, and she's done some amazing, amazing stuff on LinkedIn. She is the premier go-to person if you want to learn anything about making it huge on LinkedIn and social media, and Lots of amazing stuff. So, um, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in some groups chatting with her and exchanging voice messages. And I was like, Hey, I would love to have you on the podcast. And, um, luckily, I got lucky. So here we <laughs> oh, have, here it. we <laughs> are. <laughs> Judy, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for all those really kind words. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. I've been following your videos and live videos and trainings and and a lot of stuff that you've talked about resonates with me because, you know, like you, I've been on LinkedIn since forever, and mm-hmm. it's just recently that it just started changing people's lives. It started changing the whole dynamic of LinkedIn, what LinkedIn can bring, and you've mastered that. So tell us a little bit about how you figure this out or you know what what struggles you had to go through before you you were like okay this could be something worth making something out of
1: yeah i definitely think it's a really great question to talk about what struggles because i think when we open up about the things that were in the back of our mind or what we kind of hurdles we overcome i mean i think that's where we all relate to each other so cuz i relate to people's videos when they talk about their hesitation with, with making their first video. And like you said, I've been on LinkedIn since the beginning, probably like 2000. I know that I've been on at least since 2005. I have to have been Mm because I remember using LinkedIn to network to jobs and stay networked within my career. And I always saw it as an amazing place to make sure to stay in touch with your past colleagues, your anyone you worked with on a contract, um, whoever you touched base with, I would always go to a meeting and I'd be like, Oh, are you on LinkedIn? And so I knew that building that you've met them in person, you should stay in touch with them somehow online through their email, some way you need to stay in touch with people you've met in business. And I, again, it started from that core place of your network is so freaking important. You people who know people will be the ones that will get you jobs. That will network you to jobs before they're even announced as job openings. Exactly. And so, knowing that, I just went all in. And I think that came from I listened to a couple motivational speakers from like the National Speaker Association, and it was actually on a tape cassette <laughs> back in 1999 or something. I listened to these. And I remember even my dad gave me one and I listened to it on repeat and it was basically all about how to negotiate a job offer and networking. And it just stuck with me to this day. I'm so curious, like who are the people who recorded that? Because that really, really stuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) So to go back to the hurdles, the hurdle was kind of overcoming that concept that LinkedIn is just a job board, is just a networking Static place that it's actually a place where you can create content and position yourself as a thought leader, no matter what business, no matter who you are, that you can have success by creating content on LinkedIn. And also, the other concept is to not think of yourself as an ad producing machine, you're a human. So, if you even work for a company or a brand, you're still a human that works for that company and that brand, and your thoughts are still thought leadership pieces. You can talk about so many subjects and not, what's the word? Um, You shouldn't be causing any concern or ripples within your company or or community. And I felt for a long time that I couldn't get on video or do anything on LinkedIn because I was afraid, which I think a lot of people are. How is their employer or their network going to see that? Is that going to hurt them? Or is it going to make their employer think they're looking for another job? Mm -hmm. Content creating on LinkedIn brings up a lot of questions for people in their heads. And I started my journey of sharing on LinkedIn started with, I listened to a podcast this morning. This was one takeaway from that podcast. And then I ended it. And that was my very first video. And that was really, really good because it wasn't about my company. It wasn't about... I'm looking for a job and I wasn't looking for a job at the time. I was just, I just needed to share. I listened to this podcast and I felt I I got pushed by amazing people on the platform to start sharing my voice in whatever format that took. All right, there you go.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful because uh, like you said, you know, listening to those tapes that your dad gave you Mm -hmm. and listening to other speakers talk about networking. Like I, I learned about networking a lot later, even though I had this in, innate feeling in my in my in my gut that you know I need to connect with people that I'm working with. So, like like yourself, I would do the same thing. I was like, "Hey, are you on LinkedIn?" And they'd be like, "What's LinkedIn?" It's like, "Oh, it's <laughs> a professional network that people that work together connect together on there." Like, "Oh, okay, sure, I'll connect with you." And then over the years. I don't know if you had the same experience, but you would get a lot of requests from recruiters because that's where they go to look for resumes and job or people mm-hmm. so, you no know, that's that's really cool story. I love it.
1: Well, I and loved, I loved and connected as an open networking connector. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when I made that shift. I'm pretty sure it happened in, if I look back, I'm pretty sure that happened around 2007, 2008, 2009 during that economic crisis because it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, what does it matter if I don't quote unquote, really know you? If you are somebody who's interested in what I'm putting out into the world, I may more likely get a job by connecting with you. Exactly. And so, yeah, I was like, I'll connect (laughs) who bring them on. (laughs) Like let's connect. And I remember hitting the 500 connections and I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. I have 500 people. I mean, just think about it. Whether your number is I don't care what your number is. That's 500 people and they all know somebody. And so if you reached out to those 500 people and said, I am job searching, you put together a quick little message. I think the shorter your message is to people when you're at, when you have an ask, the more likely it is you'll get response, the shorter it is. And the less, what's the word? 40. the less requesty it is the less pressure if you just say like hey i'm just kind of putting it out there let me know how i can help you but i do kind of have an ask without making it a strong ask if that makes sense
0: no that that totally makes sense it's like you know it's like hey what's up um you want to grab lunch or you want to do this instead of being like oh this is my this is my life of this is what i've been doing and can you please it's like you don't want to be You want to be like super casual, I guess.
1: Yeah, very, very casual. Like almost like if you walked into a business to hand them your resume and you were going to talk to the person at the front desk, you would just say, hi, I don't know how many people come in off, you know, just coming into the main reception area, wanted to drop off my resume if there ever is a chance that I can get a coffee with somebody um, in the marketing department, whatever department you're looking for. Um, I would appreciate that. If there is any way you can give me anyone's name, that would be a great connection. Thank you. Let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you guys. Blah, blah, blah. Done. Done. (laughs) Like walk out.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's it's really interesting because still a lot of people are afraid to use LinkedIn and its power. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's just a place that I'm connected with people. And I don't want to make waves like you mentioned earlier. But what's also interesting is, people like the one thing that I noticed started seeing was people started putting hashtag lion. I'm like, what does it mean to be a lion? Oh, yeah. Like for the longest time, I was like, I have no idea what this. And these were these were colleagues that were working working with me, and I didn't have the the guts to go and ask like, hey, why are you a lion? And I, and I thought maybe they went to school for it, or maybe they took some course about being a lion. <laughs> And then uh, I think it was like last year, I was like, okay, what is this lion thing? Turned out it's LinkedIn open networker. Like, oh, okay. yep.
1: And there's also open networkers, like association, you know, there's a bunch of hashtags, you're right. But yes, I do know the lion one. And I came across that one pretty early too, right around the 2007 or whenever, yeah. I don't know when it got started, but I remember being like, the first moment I saw it, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm in <laughs> like, and I started searching and searching specifically to connect with lions because I knew they would not reject my connection request.
0: Yeah, they would connect right away.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Very, very cool.
1: I mean, if you think about it, there's people, there's authors writing amazing books oh. and we connect with them because we read their book there's a part of us that would connect with them in a heartbeat online, right? So I don't see why we wouldn't do that to other people that just haven't had a chance to write their books yet.
0: No, you're totally right. That's a (laughs) very valid point. And talking about authors, um, I've connected with a few authors and hopefully I'm an author pretty soon. Yay. I read (laughs) and um, I'm I'm still wondering, I think he, um, what's his name? Wow, name's escaping me. It's Robert Moore. It's not. It's it's not. It's not Richard Moore. It's Robert J. Moore, and uh, he's a he's an author, and I got to do a a chapter on his magnetic entrepreneur, um, which is should be coming out tomorrow or the day after.
1: That is so exciting.
0: Yeah, it's super exciting. So, so you've been a video and content strategist. How did that specific person part came out? Because you've been you're like all right. LinkedIn is great for networking, you know, you can connect with people, you know, more than 500 people, you can reach out, and they can probably find you a place or a job or something. So how did that grew into where you are today?
1: I think it grew from, you know, it's definitely not overnight. And I, I know more platforms than LinkedIn. Definitely. I think what happened specifically is a couple of things. One is niching down. Just realizing that I have the ability to move the needle in someone's business, but I think you're more likely to get traction moving that needle if you niche down, or especially if you're growing your business in the very beginning. Yeah. Again, what really happened is that coming from an engineering background, being very technical. And managerial for a lot of my career, working my way up the ladder towards the C-suite with major companies, all Fortune 500 companies, and reaching a point where that wasn't uh, as maybe as fulfilling as I originally thought it was, and kind of hitting a point where you know I had gone back to school, I got my master's, I got you know, an MBA slash masters of science in environmental management. So it's very specific. And yeah. um, even just by doing that, I realized, you know, there is so much power in being niched down. Oh yeah. And when I started making videos on LinkedIn, that was backed by starting a blog all the way back in 2007, Mm -hmm. starting and figuring out how to code in HTML on Mm -hmm. my downtime at home in the evenings after work. So it's one of those things that I had learned how to promote um, my content online to the point that my own blog was getting about a hundred thousand views and my content and posts on my own blog. So to kind of bring that all up into the forefront, I think part of my story is everyone thinks like, oh my gosh, that's so overnight success. But I had been studying copy. I'd been studying so many things and looking at how people show up online is something I just constantly do. Yeah. And it's something I've been doing for so many years that when I finally did it myself on LinkedIn and I picked specifically LinkedIn to really get very, very active on as a All right, I'm all in. You know what I mean? Like, versus I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm all on all these platforms, I'm gonna go more hardcore all on LinkedIn, like right now. And by doing that, I think that made more of my ability to reverse engineer what I've done and recreate those results for other clients. And I specifically help clients get attention online Mm -hmm. and help them funnel people into what to do with that attention. So, if you get a thousand views, if you get twenty comments, fifty likes, mm-hmm. how do you process that? How do you, what do you do with that to keep that attention? And how do you bring them into the top of your funnel, your sales funnel, your your um, onboarding process? How do you do that?
0: Yeah. So, how do you do that?
1: How do you do that? No, I'm working on it. No, I love it. It's and I the way I start is by saying, you know, you you really don't need the millions of views. If you no. get the millions of views and you don't have any way to onboard any of your clients,
0: yeah,
1: then it doesn't do you any good. So I'm not discounting, like, go ahead and start. I don't ever stop anybody from starting, even if they don't have everything perfect online. But I always tell people when, when I say optimize your profile, I always think to myself, optimize it, again, I'm working with people who want to optimize it for selling either their company, their brand, their book, their course, whatever your highest return on investment. And that could be you job searching. It could be you. um,
0: Really good points.
1: Yeah. And I think people think of it as those old terms of resume, but it's not. It's like you're handing somebody a brochure about you and you can make it glossy and shiny and and visually appealing and an about me section and video content and you can it's amazing what you can do.
0: No, that you're absolutely right. You've got to niche down. And the more I listen to you, the more I think about, you know, what am I doing with my profiles and and applying that knowledge and Reading these books in the past and currently, there's a few books that talk about these same, you know, methodologies: niching down, having a funnel, having a opt-in form, having something to, you know, bring in uh, the audience and figure out, you know, who it is that you're like, who's your target audience or who's your avatar that you want to focus and bring content to.
1: I think it's so great for people obviously all the books you can read all the things you can do but I I will remind people and even tell myself that I pushed myself to start before everything was perfect and I know that creates a lot of tension inside people because or imposter syndrome feelings inside people because you know, at the same time that I'm telling people here's what to do, I sometimes need to do it myself, right? It's that same feeling of if you're a fitness coach and you have lost 20 pounds and maybe you still have 10 more pounds that you want to lose or or maybe you feel like you'd like to be able to squat or lift more weights that doesn't discount your experience of already losing those 20 pounds and being able to teach somebody from a place of saying, here's what I've done. Here's the meal plan. Here's the workout. Here's the program I've put together that's been proven because now I've run 10 people through it. Yeah. And yes, I'm not perfect. I don't have that, I have that last 10 pounds to lose. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm still drinking whatever soda, whatever two times a week. I'm still whatever, you know, I don't know. It's, it's in your head. It's not, you've discounted yourself from being able to teach and you're, you're actually holding back from the world, the ability to help other people by being, feeling like you had to be perfect. And that's where I come from. I'm not perfect. I don't show up perfect everywhere online. If you want to dig into my imperfections, go for it. <laughs> but I know that the clients I work with, I'm so invested in having them move the needle. And some of, some of my clients, they have marketing teams, they have sales teams, they have you know all kinds of CFO, CMO. You know what I mean? Like so, I'm one person. And yes, I'm not going to show up the same way they do, but I can take what they've done, and I know what to do with it. And if I can do that, and I, like I said, if I've lost the 20 pounds as the workout, I can be like, no, no, this is what you got to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so that's it. You you never nobody's ever perfect, and so you have to get over that to be able to teach from a place of imperfection.
0: That's right. I mean, and and I think that's one of my problems. I try to do for go for perfection because being a graphic designer. You know, for the past so many years, I'm always, you know, looking for those pixel perfection, and I lose sight of okay, what's what's my goal supposed to be? And myself, I'm still working on okay, what what do I need to focus on? I have some ideas, I have some things that I've put in motion, and I've just gotta commit myself to those things and and follow through and complete them. Like one of the One of the books that I'm reading right now is called "Ask" by Ryan Levesque, and it was uh, recommended by Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. And he's in the book. He says, you know, he's got a very interesting method where he's it's the ask method. You're asking people what are they struggling, what is their problem that they're facing, and if you can help one person to solve that one problem, there's many more people that have that same problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, when
1: well, I think if you can solve, sometimes I'll dial it back even further. If you can solve one or two problems for yourself and yeah. then document that journey and process
0: exactly,
1: and try to figure out, like I said, reverse engineer, cause that's where my brain comes. Sometimes you can create a formula, a process, something to uh, move a user, a client through. And even if it's a small one, you may just have, Whatever it is, and I feel like where I finally hit my stride in my own business was when I started thinking to myself, "What is the user experience of somebody coming to your profile? Not just opt. I, the word optimizing it has this feeling of what does that even mean anymore? And I feel like to me, it's now the top down above the fold user experience. What are you going to do on that very first visual glance, just like somebody looks at your resume, just like somebody looks at your website. It's the user experience. Same thing with your LinkedIn profile. They're going to come to your LinkedIn profile after you've made whatever content you've made Mm -hmm. and they're going to see what and what, and that's where I started with the top cover image. Mm -hmm. And that just like, it It was something I wanted to solve in myself and something I was starting to solve for other clients. And it's something I've always consumed and thought about. And then when I put that post out into the world and it went to like half a million people, I was, I just, I hit a nerve. Like it was something I solved for myself, something I solved for clients. And now I was going to solve it even more on a more massive scale. Like that has brought me probably 20 clients in a short amount of time. Mm
0: -hmm and that's that's all because you optimize and you niche down too right because it's very it says right there you're a linkedin video creator and you mm-hmm. love
1: I think i say video and content strategist
0: yes you are a yeah. video content strategist but I'm, i was looking at your cover
1: oh right yes i love making linkedin videos so yes i use my hashtag at the top mm-hmm. i use that and i say heart sales mm-hmm. Because I'm not trying to in that top cover image, and I definitely could use to update it, by the way, it's not perfect. (laughs) It's progress over perfection, (laughs) but it has the part of my brand that is my first branded word, which is fun. I want people to know that when they work with me, it's going to be lighthearted. It's going to be fun, but lighthearted doesn't mean it's going to be heavy business. Like we're going to make and move the needle in your business, but you're going to be smiling the whole time while you're doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like going on a roller coaster ride.
1: Yeah, let's have a great time.
0: <laughs> strapped in, but there's gonna there's gonna be ups and downs, but we're gonna you know get it get it moving. That's awesome.
1: I was just reading, mm-hmm. um so. I connected with Ashley McGrath on the platform and she's an amazing copywriter. And then she connected me with a website recently where it's called the middle finger project. And I read her copy on that project or on that website. And she basically says, if your process of creating, whatever that is. So if your process of creating a video or your content, or even your, Image and your profile, if your process of doing that is from a place of not having very much fun, maybe it's a little bit boring, maybe your your process feels like you're just doing a homework assignment. Yeah, then it's gonna come across that way. Your content's gonna come across that way, your copy is gonna come across that way, your video is gonna come across that way. So that's why mm-hmm. people look at me and they maybe look at my brand, but it's funny. My brand ends up bringing, you don't have to be as fun or whatever as me, but it brings up a little bit of spark and light into every single person I work with to the point that they get so much more creative inspiration than they had before working with me. I'm not, I'm patting myself on the back, but I feel like if you can just be a little loose, a little fun, bring your emotions a little bit higher. I feel like business and emotions don't always feel like they're supposed to mix, but if you can figure out how to mix them, Mm -hmm. it actually takes you so much further because you can tap into, even if it's your emotion about running a business Mm -hmm. and not always every emotion is up, not every emotion is down. Some emotions are proud. Some emotions are struggle. Some emotions are um, excited. There's like thousands of emotions. (laughs) And so... (laughs) you know, just going through that list, sometimes I'll take people through an emotion list and I'll be like, if you had to pick your top mm-hmm. five emotions you would like people to feel when they read your content, let's pick some of these emotions. And people are like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if you, if, you, if you don't have an emotion in your content, it's just like, blah, 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 it doesn't mean anything.
0: Right, it, and it's, it all comes back to, like you said, the art of copywriting, art of writing, for an eight-year-old, and I think mm. one of the um, one of the lessons I was listening to, um, I think it was James Patterson or or Steve Martin, and they have a master class. And they're like your language when you're writing a book or writing any copy should be understandable by an eight-year-old. If it's mm-hmm. at the higher end, because that's the that's the most simplest type of language that you can use. Everybody will understand. But if your audience is PhD and students and, you know, academia, then maybe that's not the route you want to go to. Yeah. It
1: depends who your audience is. Definitely.
0: It's on the audience. And so I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. And then, um,
1: But even if your audience is PhD, Mm -hmm. you can still bring up certain emotions within that field and still write at the same level of professional colleague level experience, but tap into an emotion that you know Mm -hmm. you have felt throughout your career or what you have experienced. And so that way you can start to tap into stories. I think stories, storytelling is basically it's beyond powerful i mean i know you know that <laughs> and i think people don't realize that storytelling is i think this is my again i this is my process this is how i feel like it's the easiest way for people to tap into storytelling is to start with the concept of what emotions do you normally on a regular basis feel Okay. Well, let's start there. Okay. You don't feel any. Well, let's try and figure out which ones would you love to feel if you were going to have people land on your content? What would you like them to feel? Absolutely. Because your storytelling will start to develop, I think, from feelings. But that's me. <laughs> Again, I, I, I go all in on who I am. And if people resonate with it, then it works. And I think there's enough billions of people on the planet that there's room for all of us. So
0: Absolutely. And, and starting with the place of feelings is always going to work because deep down, we're all human. Mm-hmm. We all have a heart. And one thing that, that I was telling myself is, you know, anytime you're, you want to do something and achieve something, go with the heart and ignore your brain. Yes, you'll need your brain to analyze stuff, but if you continually just spend your time, spend your days analyzing and thinking, 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 not take action, well, you've just wasted a day.
1: I mean, some of the, and that's actually one of the things that was on the tape that I listened to that was drilled into my brain in 1999. I know exactly when. It said, um, with the biggest decisions in life, we make them with our emotions and we back them up with fact.
0: Yes.
1: And we don't think we're doing it. We really don't. We truly believe that we're making logical, rational decisions, mm-hmm. but they broke it down in this, um, you know famous speech that was on this talk it was like TED talks before TED talks existed mm-hmm. and it was basically saying like it's it's a fact i mean it, the biggest decisions like if the person you're going to marry you will feel it in your body feel it in your soul feel it in your gut and then you'll turn around and back it up with facts facts that can support your emotional decision
0: yeah and sometimes those emotional decisions come a lot later or the facts come a lot later.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, good or bad, people try we're to rational. think that their emotions aren't in play. And I'm like, oh, your emotions are in play. <laughs> you you may be the most rational person on the planet, but you've just gotten really good at all the facts to back up your emotions.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing, right? We're not rational human beings. Like human no. Beings, <laughs> and then we, you know, that's why we make computers, because we want somebody to be rational. That's <laughs>
1: But, then but I mean, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Just so many subjects we could unpack, but I almost feel like I, what I've started to hone in on is it's like, I'm your like best friend in business. Like basically that fun friend that comes in is like, oh my gosh, what are we going to work on today? Like, <laughs> cause some, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of A lot of people, and I hear this story all the time, and I think some of it's a little bit limiting belief. And that's when I talked about the podcast and kind of removing some loneliness. Mm -hmm. I think even just spending time together in person with people, you feel energy. And so if you're never around any people in your home by yourself, you would miss out on that energy. And that's why like... My podcast. I'm trying to make it upbeat, high energy because business and fun can go together.
0: Oh, absolutely! Oh. And
1: that's why it's called uh, "Level Up Your Business with Heart and Humor." I mean, it's the Judy Fox Show, but it's—I I love that we're talking about heart, and then I went with humor because I feel like I want people to know when they see that mm-hmm. they're not gonna—they're gonna get a podcast that has some laughs in it. It's not just—it's uh, got some bad jokes. <laughs>
0: Nice. I love it. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got this little thing that I never get to use.
1: That's so good. I need one of those. I need like a sound machine thing that I could just well, I mean I can edit that in afterwards. But... but
0: what's cool is when you get the reaction from your guest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true.
0: Because <laughs> like, you could you could throw in, you know, all sorts of sounds and it almost like looks like a sitcom that's the other thing that I watch, you know, that I grew up watching a lot of like, um, Seinfeld is my favorite, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these other shows and they'll like throw in the laughter. And it's like, after the fact, like the, 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 uh, the, the actors have no idea what's going on. And like, we were watching them from this window. It's funny. All right. We've had some really awesome topics. I love it. Um, very, very helpful, very genius. And, you know, it's always moving just like, so I'm in the software development business and, you know, you being an engineer, you know, a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. It's never a perfect launch. There's always iterations. There's always bugs. And what you got to do is you got to keep going. You got to keep fixing those bugs and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. So as a guest, there are some questions that we ask our guests. Um, What is one hobby that you wish you got into?
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, that I wish I got into. Can I have a hobby that I wish I'd kept going? Mm -hmm. Um, I just wish I'd kept up with my running, that I had just kept running and kept that up. I mean, I feel like I could go start again, but it still just feels like now I have to be like, whoa. I let that one slide. <laughs> <laughs> I think I stopped running. I mean, it was just so nice to go for runs. I've been running for so long. And then I stopped in about 2012. Mm-hmm. I had a kid and I just never got back into it. And mm-hmm. I wish that I did. I still can. It's, it's not late. too late.
0: <laughs> it's not too late. It's never too late. It's too late.
1: But no, I'd run a marathon. I've run half marathons. I've run, I was racing. Like I was even racing in my thirties and I was actually doing really well. At one point I ran faster than I ever ran in high school for a 5k, like 3.1 miles. I think I ran, wow. it was sub 20 minutes. So it was like 19 minutes and 50 seconds. I was pretty proud of myself.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And I, that's what I mean. Like I loved pushing myself running. Mm-hmm. I think I ran half marathon in an hour and 30 minutes. hmm so yeah, that's I'm I'm super competitive. If you can't tell, <laughs> and
0: now you're super competitive in helping others. Yes, <laughs> which is you, know, you still have that same drive, but you it's just pointed towards a different passion altogether. Awesome. yeah,
1: it's kind of like if you play a board game with me, I can't help but be competitive. I play video games with my six year old. He's now seven, but I, I I'm competitive and he beats me, and I am trying so. <laughs> he is good he is good
0: all right next question what is your favorite movie or tv show
1: oh um, i'm really i can't wait for the show to come back out with another i think it's one more season but it's called younger and most people don't know about it it's on tv land have you ever heard of it
0: i've seen that show
1: Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) Cracks me up because I feel like I really relate to the character in some ways because I'm in my forties and everyone thinks I'm in my (laughs) twenties and I'm like, well, there you go. So she is a 40 something (laughs) year old and she goes back to work and everyone thinks she's in her twenties. I mean, she lets them and promotes them to think that she is. Mm -hmm. I don't do that.
0: And she has to, I mean, it's because the situation that she's in, I was like, just let it, let it be known. And yeah, it's it's pretty crazy.
1: I love the dynamics and I like um Hillary, is it Hillary Duff? And I, I just mm-hmm. I, I just think it's fun. Like it's just so much fun.
0: It's a very fun show. All right, couple more. What is your favorite superhero?
1: Ooh, I think it's I wanna say it's Rogue. Okay. I love, doesn't she take on? And I, I'm not good with superheroes. I don't watch tons of those kinds of shows, but I did one time think to myself, that is super. Doesn't she take on the powers of other people?
0: Yes, she can. That's super cool. People's energies. Um, okay. And I, I'll tell you another superhero that, that goes very close to Fox Rocks. Ooh. And that Ooh. is Rocket Raccoon. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Part of the galaxy has, oh my gosh i have
1: t- what, what were you gonna
0: say he has a very you know he has a very mean like front facing like he's super mean but he's he's an amazing guy
1: oh yeah that's me i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no my son the other day said i should be elastic girl and i was like what and he just said he said i see you he he just randomly said that that mm-hmm. the ice came across like Elastigirl. And then what was the other thing? Oh, last summer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that the theme for his school was going to be superheroes that year. Okay. And that summer, you know, we're spending a lot of time together. He has to go shopping with me, grocery shopping, go to target, whatever, do these things with me. Cause he's home with me. Mm-hmm. And at one point he was like, this is so boring. And I was like, I know that's my superpower. I'm super boring. (laughs) And so we, I went all in on it. Like I even have like a headband that's got like, like a pow thing that like, I'm, I'm in my super boring mode. So whenever I would put that headband on, he was like, he would groan, roll his eyes and be like, we're going grocery shopping. (laughs) And I I mean I made grocery shopping fun. I actually uploaded a video. I just joined TikTok, which sounds mm-hmm. super random, but I just I'm joined like and I uploaded a video yeah. where he we play like cart games, uh-huh. like random target cart games where I have to like try and throw something into the cart while he's moving it. Mm-hmm. It's probably not appropriate, but I, don't think- we, I try to make grocery shopping and doing things fun. and But I joke at the same time saying that I'm super boring. I can make super fun things boring in an instant. That's my tagline.
0: <laughs> nice. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So imagine running into me at the grocery store. That is what we're doing. I mean, everyone knows us at the grocery store. Everyone.
0: <laughs> All right. This would be...
1: I know you're trying to wrap up.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I can, We can keep going. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> Uh, you know, you can always edit out and make the two episodes. That is true. <laughs> More fun with Fox. Um, yeah, uh, so I totally love pop culture. And I didn't grow up with pop culture because I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. We had 30 minutes of TV time every day. And then it was like boring news. So it's it was, uh, there's a lot of TV shows you know, back in the '80s. But then, when I moved to the United States, and the first superhero movie that I watched was, I think, it was Batman with um, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember that movie as well as I remember the other ones with, um, I think, it was, uh, what's that? What's that handsome? handsome. Aren't
1: all Batman's handsome?
0: <laughs> no, I'm talking about handsome actors.
1: I know I know, I'm just kidding. I,
0: <laughs> I don't remember. I' just yeah. know it's
1: Batman.: <laughs>
0: uh, George Clooney: Oh, he, uh, yeah. He's a handsome one. But um, yeah, I got into superheroes, and then I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy, and I just follow like everything that's happening in their universe. All right, so the next question, you might like this one. And if you were a board game? What would it? Be?
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my gosh, Can I be like so many if I was a board game? Um,
0: that's good that you know a lot of board games because a lot of people ask this question like wait I don't know any board games
1: oh my gosh I have that is so if you watch my videos Mm -hmm. when you see my bookshelf in the background it's full of board games oh like actually one of my like really I was actually cringing when I watched back but the Board game because I rotate which ones are out front so me okay. and my son can see and be inspired to play them. The ones that are near the front you want to play because you see them, and one near the front was Candy Land. <laughs> but I mean, I love Settlers of Catan. Yes, I love negotiating and being like and convincing people to give me their stuff like in trade. And I'm super. Um, I'm all into negotiation and uh like the sales technique. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm always working on my sales technique for no, settlers. I love of that people. board game. That's what I picked to be.
1: Oh my gosh. Then we need to play it. I know. We record do. a podcast while we're playing settlers hey, of so so you can cool. hear our negotiation skills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. All right. We'll have to do that one day. We're having too much fun. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. You know,
1: I know it's my brand. <laughs> it's super easy. Cause that's my, my life. I'm trying to just, I want to have fun for the rest of my life until I die.
0: Oh my God, that's my goal in life because, okay, I have like a hundred hobbies. And the reason I started this podcast is because every week my colleagues would ask me, okay, so what's the new hobby you started this week? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm doing photography. I'm doing videography. I'm doing cycling. I just started woodworking. I'm getting into beekeeping. Oh, I have all these things. And they're like, oh my God, dude, you're into way too many things. You should start a podcast. So one of my colleagues was like, you know, you should start a podcast. And since you just started beekeeping, you should talk about Queen Bee. And I'm like, all right, Queen Bee. That's. And then he's like, you know who Queen Bee is, right? I was like, who is it? And he's like, it's Beyonce. I was like, (laughs) Beyonce is Queen Bee. (laughs) I have to do some research. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Beyonce on my first episode. (laughs)
1: Nice. Well, I feel like so many people, it's almost like what we talked about before. You got to niche down, but then you're like, oh, but so I'm very similar. I have tons of things that I start, hobbies. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about this. I'm down a rabbit hole this way. I'm down a rabbit hole this way. But I feel like that plays really, really into content creation Does because I can lean into my natural strength, which is like acting like squirrel, like (laughs) because content creation is like that. Content creation is coming from a place of grabbing all these bits of information from the internet and from the world and then putting it into a video and seeing the video before it's even made. And that's how I operate. I can see my clients' videos, content and everything. I can just see it mapped out before it's ever even made.
0: That's, That's an amazing power.
1: I love it, but I think it comes from touching all these different things in life and not just have, I've, I mean, I'm in my forties. I've spent all these years being interested in a gazillion things. Oh yeah. And, but it gives me all this exposure to a gazillion ways of having analogies, a ways of showing up. Like I, like you said, I mean, I've got like, I mean, I feel like I can touch on so many subjects.
0: Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And, and, um, that's that's one of my aims to the the. I think it's somewhere I read in the book that the some of the best ideas that you'll see coming on and taking the world over are mashups. They're mm-hmm. matching up multiple ideas into a single thing, and boom, it's like what I didn't even think of that.
1: Well, it, there's a. YouTuber called L of the Mills, E-L-L-E of the Mills, M-I-L-L-S, I I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's got some amazing videos where she's very, I've gotten so much inspiration from watching her videos where she cuts short little clips of random bits of different movies, different things. And her brain, I feel like if I could make videos- Mm -hmm. And have a lot of time to do it. I would probably make videos very similar-ish in style because I can kind of see all the clips that need to be shot yeah. to go together. Like when I I had that a video from going to Vid Summit,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: while I was shooting it, it's not like I'm shooting it, and I've got like I just know like it's instinct. I call it um, instinct. Instinct meets experience. Mm -hmm. When you've just got that mix, you can just see things forming. And so when I came home and compiled, I don't know how many bits of video, like probably, I don't know how many shots, it was probably at least over 30 shots that Mm -hmm. I just, I was taking them along the way. I was styling them. I was like, okay, here's what, and it was super quick. I just knew what I wanted it to look like and I would just make it look that way. Like I can't quite explain it, but I just, I just knew it, and I just did it, and then there's the video, and it got like fifty, twenty thousand views between the different shots and different edits, because I put multiple edits out on the platform.
0: No, that's that's a really good superpower to have to be able to see forth what you're going to create, and 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 that's in. I think that is some of the techniques that directors use when they're shooting a film. They know exactly yeah. where to put people. What, you know, what to do with blocking and what to do and, and, and what people are going to be doing in different scenes because they, they either have that power of, what's the word? That pre, Diminition. What's that? I can't even remember things.
1: But I almost feel like if I sat down and tried to map it out the night before and had this whole thing, it just wouldn't work. But what happens is, is I literally—it's almost like meditative
0: on the fly. I'm
1: standing at the conference, and I can feel it. Mm. That sounds funny, but like there's a couple of moments that I had interviews with people and moments with people where I just said, "I like I just saw them coming at me, and I was knew I was going to interact with them, and I was like, okay, what am I'm just going to like, we're done. We're filming. We're doing this right now. Like grabbed him and it just all worked. It all came together into one like smooth, somewhat smooth video, you know? And I edited the whole video on my phone, the entire video shot and edited everything done on my phone.
0: Yeah. Doing it on the phone is such a powerful thing because you don't have to go sit at a computer. You don't have to download video. You've got everything in your hands.
1: Yeah. I could be editing and kid drop off and pick up line. I had to build a business that could work, that I could work, and it didn't slow me down. Exactly.
0: Cool, man. We
1: could go forever. (laughs) Do you have any more questions? Sorry, I
0: feel like we got... No, you were already a board game.
1: (laughs) Woohoo! Super boring.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Super boring, super... (laughs)
1: I love that it's the opposite of what I feel like I am but I feel like that's the hilariousness of it
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly because no matter how funny we think we are our kids are still going to think we're boring
1: I know and I think he's hilarious I wish we could just have like webcams up like just to capture our life and be like not in a weird way but in a hey, Like because we just do the most random stuff and I I think so many families do and I think that's why we watch uh, YouTube daily family bloggers because
0: really?
1: the Seeing people and what they're doing in their lives. It is kind of super cool and it makes people feel less alone
0: Yeah, absolutely You're you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know what else to ask. Yes, I do have one more question. Where can my audience find you?
1: That's a great question. The best place to go is judifox.com. So Judy Fox. I wish I could grab the J-U-D-Y Fox just in case people spell my name wrong, but it's J-U-D-I. And uh, that's the best place. Cause at the very top or at the bottom, I put it in both places. You can get all the places to find me on social media. And I loved the way the middle finger project <laughs> put it when she, she said, you can follow our social. She was like, you can follow me down a dark alley. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> I don't want to steal that. Like, I just want to no. give her credit, but that is, that's genius. You can go follow me down to Dark Alley, all those social media places.
0: (laughs) Cool. Thank you so much, Judy, for taking the time out of your busy day and us here on Hacks and Hobbies. Adios. Adios. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on their website, hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests.